the best part about their break in is the fact that we don't even slow them up. No, never. They come in like blazing speed too. Andy's like, oh shit. Yeah, flying like down the, the way. In practice, when we break out against for? you guys, we get in every time. What team do you guys play for? Ottawa. Oh, okay. So you can tell we're really pleased with, you know, with our DK. Yeah, I think Marty right Episode 10, Pucks in Deep Podcast is back. And Lesko, I had to cut that uh, Uber video a little short. As as you, we all know, it goes on for about well over four minutes. And it's uh, it's quite the video. And it, it surfaced, what, six minutes after we wrapped up our pod last week? I got home and checked Twitter and immediately saw that and noticed that it had been posted quite a bit earlier, I guess, while we were recording. While we were recording, yeah. And Devastating. we missed that. We actually missed a lot of big news last week. Or I guess we had our first experience of recording and then having huge stories dropping within the days after. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think uh, what I'm hearing from most of our dedicated listeners out there uh, is that, you know, they, they just kind of catch up, right? So it's not necessarily got to have it uh, the next day or whatever. We kind of cover it week by week. So at some point, if something big happens, you're definitely going to hear what we have to think about it. Just had the takes burning up for, for almost a week. Yeah, it's true. Anyways, how about that opening track, though? Yeah, NHL 94. One of the, uh, That's good I think send. it's one of the first hockey games I got for Super Super Nintendo. Score on a wraparound every single time. Once I learned that, it's game over. Yeah. Me and Doggy G just. It wasn't even fun sometimes scoring the goal, but it was fun. I mean, it was always fun scoring the goals. It kind of makes me think about the, you know, the proverbial glitch goal now that you see on Xbox Live or PlayStation or whatever. There always seemed to be one in those older games that oh, figured out. Always an exploitation to be found of the game. Now, that game didn't age well. We were, yeah, we were we were talking Old about hockey games. the different ways to uh, to score. I had thought that NHL '94 was the version where you could flip the puck way up in the air, and then it would go over the fucking goalie's head if you if you managed to flip it. On that was net. like '01 or something, like a more recent game. Really, you think that yeah. was more recent? I don't know, man. I thought it was for Sega, and this was the only hockey game that I had for Sega. Was there was this one, then I had 97 as well, which was basically the same game. Like, it was very similar, the, like, top-down view. and Yeah. Yeah. Old hockey games struggled. Yeah. I mean, you had Blades of Steel, and then that's it. Yeah. Until, like, nice until like 989 Sports yeah. came out with NHL fucking 96 or 97. Actually, I think it would have been, like, 97, 97 or 98. On the PlayStation. On the PlayStation. Right? The original PlayStation. Yeah, those didn't age well either. Yeah, but I had a lot of fun playing those. They were fast. All right. The Senators aren't aging well either this season. <laughs> Just keeps going further oh, and further off the rails. As ah. as we heard in the open opening clip there, there's the Senators players, I guess, on the way back from having a few pints or something after the game. In Arizona. And this this loser 
Uber driver absolutely sewers these guys. James Sparklin. Like, giving me a goddamn break. His name is James Sparklin. That's unnecessary. Right? I mean, and you know what? So the, now the media that ran this story, uh, post-media, um, are now getting basically blackballed, I heard, by the Sens. Like, uh, I guess in the follow-up press conference, the or not conference, but in the scrums, uh, in the days that followed, uh, the post-media reporters were getting, yep, nope. I that did, was about it. Yeah, I did hear that. I, I mean, know, that helps nobody, though. Well, I know Melnick's gone up after uh, journalists in the past. Like, I think it was Brent Wallace or something. I read that they had essentially banned him from the team's flights for a question that he had asked Melnick. <laughs> what? Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if if this gets worse for the guys at Post Media. And the other interesting part about this is that the story, when they finally decided to publish it, uh, was under no one's name. They didn't uh, attribute Amos name because it, it, so it just goes to show you how maybe some of the journalists at Post Media felt about publishing oh, the story. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, because they didn't want to have to deal with the backlash. They're the ones that have to go to the rink every day and talk right. to these guys. Right. Yeah, but they have to report it, man. Well, I mean, clearly one of them, it, it got around the newsroom to the point where the the uh, the outlet itself decided to publish it. I would have reported but none it. Of the, none of the reporters wanted to. I would have reported put name it. on it. Fuck but I mean, if you think about the beat reporters, like. They they got to deal with those guys every single day. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you but think I mean, about the relationship you want to have with the players. That's how you get your information, right? Yeah, and it's not it's true. on the mic either. No, I totally agree. I'm just saying, like, for for the record, I'm saying that I would report it. I wouldn't have shared that fucking video. Like, I would have showed my bud. Oh, like I like actually reporting it though. I would writing have, a story about it, but not publishing the video. Yeah, yeah. I would not have. I would okay. not have published the video. Like the Uber driver did. Oh, like the Uber but driver. But once did. the fucking video was on. Well, it was already out there. But I guess it had been pulled from YouTube, right? So the senators found out within like a few hours. Yeah, a I few guess hours. it had like a few hundred views. They got hold of yeah, it. Yeah, you're right. And then obviously, uh, somehow Post Media did as well and then contacted the senators about it. Senators were already aware and apparently had dealt with it. But I mean, this, this you know could what, have been way worse. You know what they're not aware of? They were not aware that Matt Duchesne hadn't paid attention in three weeks. <laughs> I, I really I, enjoyed that. Quote. Or maybe that they were. Maybe they were aware of it because it hadn't been going very well. And I guess I don't know. That's weird. That's the chicken or the egg argument. Can it's, you blame? You know, because if you if you listen to the video, are you? Can you blame the player, or do you rather blame the players for not being able to kill the penalties based on what the coaches are coaching them? Or do you blame the coaches for not coaching the players correctly to kill the penalty? I'm going to say in this situation, man, I don't think there were either parties too worried about the PK at this moment. It's more about reputations and damage control, right? And I was, you know, I was just about to say this could have been way worse. Like you think about some of the things you may have said about a boss or people say about their employers or. You know, just even growing up playing sports, the things you might have said about your coaches, and you could tell some of the guys in your team who were lost. Yeah. Uh, you know, the coaches lost them at, at a point in the year, and some of the shit they would say. I mean, th- thank God for these players and for the center's organization that this wasn't way worse. Like, well, they weren't saying this could have been, you know, some life changing shit. How so- some of them said something off color, something real, you know, real yeah, mean. Point. I mean, they were. I, yeah, you're if right. Everyone's they up went... in arms about this, which I don't really get the feeling anyone is. Nah, because it's very unsurprising. It's just a story. 
Yeah. And 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 then the reason why it's a big story is because of where it's coming out of. Well, it's two reasons it's a big story. It's because it's Ottawa, and the other one's I think it's because Duchesne's involved again. This guy is just he. Yeah, that's he's taking hits, man. That's proverbial gravy on top, but it's really it's it's Ottawa. You that's the only about, reason. Like, yeah, but it's you Ottawa. think about Duchesne and, and like this guy's got to sign a deal next year. He. Bitched and complained his way out of Colorado. Yeah, which he comes to before. Ottawa and Ottawa, you know, completely bombs. Like, and then now you've got him shooting his mouth off. And the guy who's supposed to be a leadership guy in that team, you know, he's he's trashing the assistant coach. Yeah, I I mean I totally agree with what you were saying before. Everybody does it. I think everyone has been saying that at length online, anyways. Um, but again, I just keep circling back to the fact that it's the fucking. It's another tire on the fire. Yeah, basically. And it burns brighter. I even had a couple of buddies that are Sens fans text me and be like, man, oh, man, like we can't catch a break right now. Like we can't catch a break. Every story that comes out is fucking stupid. We have a great game and beat a a team, you know, come from behind or some shit like that. Brady Kachuk nailing it. And it doesn't matter. It's all off ice shit. It's all off ice shit, and it's all bad, man. And it's been bad for, like, months. It's been bad for, you know, what, seven, eight, maybe longer months. It's been a really bad situation there. But It's uh, unfortunate because part of the reason why they are, I guess, what they said, one of the reasons why they moved on from Carlson and they made a lot of those moves they did last year was to create a culture shift in that room. And they kind of led you to believe that maybe some of that change had taken place with the newer, younger team that they're icing. But when you got guys like that saying those kinds of things to a button, there's a number of rookies who were, who were there with them. Too. Yeah. DeMello was in yeah, there. Yeah, There was a couple, a couple of new guys and rookies on the team, but I mean, it's unfortunate, but they don't they deal with that shit internally. And like we said, it could have been miles worse than what it actually turned out to be. And it's but like uh, you said, just a, a tire in the fire. Yeah. It, it's a, it sucks that this off-ice crap keeps happening to the Senators and they just can't seem to catch a break and keep a handle on this crap. But they're playing some really exciting hockey this year. Well, I mean, they've got, you got guys, better storylines that could be talked about now. you got guys like Kachuk, you got guys like Shabbat who are playing fairly oh, well. Oh, man, Shabbat, I mean, unreal. They're not world beaters right now, but, I mean, they're giving themselves, they're playing, they've been playing fairly exciting, faster, fast-paced hockey and, they give you a little glimmer of hope for the future. I know we've said that lots previously, but that's all you can that's all you can go off of right now. So, um the driver was fired. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, you say of course, right? But I mean like it's not he didn't break any laws. Well, you're allowed to record, but he's not allowed to publish it. So he's he's violating his employment contract, I guess with Uber. I'm not sure about that though. I thought that in in Arizona there was a uh, there's a one way a one way record uh, law in Arizona if one party is is uh, okay with I recording. Think, I think the reason is recorded. because it's it's Uber's policy was the oh issue. I see. So anyway, he, that, the, that they are it's because for their safety that yeah, why they're yeah. allowed to have the cameras running. Yeah, yeah. Because then, but you're not allowed just to take that footage, post on the internet. Like if if your girlfriend's blowing you in the back of an Uber, you don't want that shit, that shit to pop up online. Well, not if it's my girlfriend, because then, well, if your girlfriend, then your wife would probably find out. So oh, that there would be, you go. That would be no good. There you go. Um, but anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit about the driver. Driver's fired. He had like a twenty minute 
phone interview with some a news outlet, said it was the dumbest decision of his life amidst sobbing. Yeah, why did this guy go and do an interview after? Well, he okay, so he's really concerned. We'll touch on the driver for a little bit, and then we got to move on. But he he's really concerned about his family, and he's concerned about like his reputation, his name. Um, taking a hit. I well, mean, I didn't know his name until na- he did an interview with a name like Sparkling. You know, that's a pretty sick name. You don't you don't want that name getting dragged it's through the mud. Handle. It wouldn't it wouldn't be Sparkling after you drag it through the mud a little Jesus. bit. But anyway, so you can see you can see at the end of the video and you can hear it. The players get out. He fucking drives away around the corner. You know, it goes on for like twelve seconds, and then he says, "Oh, fuck you," just like that. Boom. Right. Oh, fuck you. So like a tip, I think, I think it was a tip that's, that's alleged, but, um, throughout the, the course of his phone interview, he brings up the fact that the, the real issue around that ride began with them having seven passengers and the driver not being prepared to take seven. Well, he didn't have to take them all. No, but they wanted to stay together, and I guess that was another part of it. Uh, I remember reading that part. He said that the the players really wanted to stay together. Then I read this next part, dude, and it's fucking hilarious. Like, So he says, I was concerned that if I were to get into an accident, my $1 million liability policy for insurance wouldn't cover seven passengers. Like, no fucking shit, numbnuts. That won't even cover you, man. <laughs> like one million. What is this? Nineteen ninety three. Like, know. that's insane. Like, I know it's different in the states and Canada or whatever, but like, man, especially when you talk about the states, like they're fucking suing everybody for anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're getting, they're getting their money's worth, and that's just because there's so there's so many people in the states. Like, it's hard because people will just generalize on countries but like with the states my god like they're so massive let's go like it's very easy to say oh yeah that's the way they do it down there well there's there's so much bigger than us like it's it's a real big generalization but anyway i was laughing because of course i'm in the insurance business so i'm thinking bud like you're you're worried about your one million dollar liability policy not being able to cover seven national hockey league players shouldn't be driving anybody with that you policy. shouldn't be driving anybody that's what i wrote in the notes i said he's probably driving uber around with no fucking insurance oh yeah. my god well, so mean, anyway poor guy why does he, he learned do, his lesson then poor guy screw no i just no, I, I agree screw him yeah Wait, no no i, I agree, don't like but, how he went out and did this interview after and went and tried to vic- victimize himself be like well you know i lost my job and didn't have proper insurance like <laughs> Nobody cares. Like I, I, like I said, I didn't know this guy's name. He's worried about his name. I didn't know about him until he did an interview. I didn't know his name. I, I, I just knew James Sparkling. Like, pff, screw James. All right, screw you, James. You go drive. He won't be driving for Lyft, I guess. Uber idiot. Go 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 become a taxi driver. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll <laughs> yeah. take you. That was the next part. Eh? Was that he was going to move on and drive for Lyft? Yeah, I'm sure he will. <laughs> All right, man. Um, take us to the next one. Where are we going next? We going Hall of Fame. You want to talk some Hall of Fame? Yeah, well, that uh, that class was really something. But then all of a sudden, here comes Gary to steal everyone's thunder. I guess for those of you who didn't pay attention to this shit, uh, Gary Bettman, active commissioner of the NHL, is being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Was. Was, was inducted. Was inducted. Already Hall of Famer, Gary. and uh, Deservedly so. Oh, boy. And uh, among Marty St. Louis and Marty Brodeur, uh, Jaina Hefford, Willie O'Ree, 
And, Willie O'Ree. Uh, I can't even uh, say there. Yakushev. Yakushkev? Oh, yeah. Where's the... Alexander Yakushev. Oh, Yakushev, right? Sure. I thought it was Yakushev. I'll put in more uh, more of an effort into pronouncing it than Don Cherry did. Uh, yeah, what is that? I didn't catch <laughs> so that. What he is, what he is went that off about, about it, I guess. This was way back when they announced who was going to be inducted. Okay, but recently, though. Like, not way fucking back. Well, I, like, I don't know how recent was, but he, I just Cherry No, but I mean, like, it. modern era, not, like, way oh, the yeah, fuck yeah. back in the 70s or no, some No, once shit. we found out he was being oh, inducted, okay, Cherry okay. said that he was he called him a Soviet loser on the no. coach's corner oh. and was pissed off because he said that... Uh, that Paul Henderson should be in there before this guy. I mean, like, sure. Like, um, whatever. I don't really care to argue that point. But, like, come on, Don. Well, he hates Russians. Fucking racist idiot. <laughs> but I thought it was uh, uh, that was interesting with Batman because, and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about him, too, because, like I say, he's stealing the thunder of. Why? Uh, I mean, Murray Roder, greatest goaltender of all time. Murray Gary St. Batman, Louis, greatest one of my commissioner favorites. of all time. Well, I guess so. But why is it that that Gary gets inducted while he's active when well, the rest of the players not only can they not go in the year after it was a four-year period uh it's a few years yeah, yeah yeah before they can even induct you but with with batman we're just gonna we're gonna do it now yeah well it's in the builders category we're not talking players i guess but it's still it's, it's different. the equivalent essentially yeah, but it's for different players. though so but okay so what if because Lou Lermorello is, is another example. So he he got inducted in the builders. Okay, as but well. let me is just put not? let me just put this across to you. What if uh, someone like uh, Stan Bowman? Um, I'm just putting a hypothetical out there, so bear with me. What if Stan Bowman came across a fortune? Like I know he's probably already loaded, right? But let's say he came across a fucking massive fortune, and just gave it all to the league for some reason. Like and it was the biggest donation ever in like pro sports. Something massive. Something really substantial. Would they not put him in as like under whatever appropriate category, like a builder? Would they not put a guy in for doing something so substantial, even though he's active, quote unquote active? Well, it depends if you're putting it on their body of work with the NHL. It's kind of a weird hypothetical because you just think of well, I'm Something trying to I'm trying to relate it to Batman. Batman's Batman's impact on the NHL is so ridiculously substantial that I don't understand how people can't comprehend the idea that not only should he be in, he deserves to be in, and he's actually. I have no good. problem with him going into he's the good hall. At what he does. I just find the timing unusual, and and just in comparison to everything else. But I, I guess to go back to like I said with Lou Lamorello, whereas he's been inducted already as well, and that wasn't, you know, people weren't up in arms, but it's because. Batman has this reputation that you know fans hate him, people hate him, despite his body of work, which is fantastic. But you know he gets he got booed at the the ceremonial yeah. puck drop there on yeah. Friday night, the Leaf game. <laughs> I'm sure he got booed at the ceremony. No, probably not the actual ceremony. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see it. See I, know, it, I wanted to see it. Another he, uh, thing that we're gonna talk about. I mean, that's that's why people are more fired up because it's the lockouts and shit, right? Like you know. With the three lockouts that they've had over the years, why don't they boo the fucking players then? Well, I mean, because he's oh, because all the players didn't do it. No, because Batman not to is blame. actually the one associated with it because it happens under his watch, right? Yeah, so I he's agree. The, he's the guy you associate with it because you look at uh, I and this is when you compare it to other major sports organizations. Right, I agree with you, but here's my issue that I have with it though: it's it's all fun and games when you have a label to put on it or you have a name 
to blame for something that you need blaming. I need to blame something, so I'll blame whatever. It's okay when it's at that level. But because of social media and everybody being able to fucking voice their opinion on everything, it's just turned into a fucking hate cesspool. It's so easy to pile on. It's disgusting, man. Like, I go online and I just... I normally don't spend too much time. I used to spend a lot of time on it before, but like I'll go online and I'll battle some idiots for a little while. And it's just like, man, like I used to think he's an idiot. So he's not the great, he's not the most likable guy. Okay. No, he's a slimy little little doofus, right? Like a little (laughs) fucking twerp, right? He speaks well, like he's very well-spoken, you know, lawyer uh, from the Jewish family, right? Like all that old school upbringing, right? Like, he was doing what he was supposed to be doing ever since he was a kid kind of thing. So, um, you know, in terms of being in a position of power and making these decisions and finances and stuff like that, like he's just done an incredible job with the Yeah, league. his contributions to the game are are like non-comparable. You don't have anything to to expansion measure it up to. You look expansion at how from big, 24 to 32. Yeah, you look at revenues, you look how big the leagues expanded under his watch, the creation or not the creation of hockey down south, but putting the NHL on the map in markets that no one said would ever work. Um, you got to give credit where where credit is due, and in in this situation, whether you love him or hate him, I mean, he deserves to be there. Yeah, my Gr- questioning was on the timing, basically growing overseas too. Like it's uh, it's good, but I I really do enjoy the uh, the reception though. I mean, it's uh, like it's just it's become a thing now. Oh yeah, he loves it. He, he loves said that it. in the interview. He's when like, the uh, it's normal, when he was going on the ice and the booze were coming, I saw him like kind of tap his ear for a second, like as it's like I hear you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's coming up. He's for a good sport. A wrestling, a wrestler or something. Eh? Yeah, he's like a, he's Hulk like, Hogan. Yeah, he's like uh, he's like McMahon in WWE. Just <laughs> the the guy who runs the show, but is purposely a heel. You know. All right, so uh, you want to touch on some of the other ones here? Obviously, uh, Marty St. Louis. I know he's. Uh, Soft spot for you, right? Oh man, huge fan of his growing up. Small guy, just all against all logs. And in an era when small guys just didn't make it. Didn't exist. They just didn't, didn't make exist. it. I mean, this is a guy who was undrafted, was on waivers at one point, and then goes out, tears it up with the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, wins Stanley Cup, has a fantastic career. Heart of the team. Gold medal with Canada. Um just just a heart and soul kind of player and guy I looked up to huge when I was growing up because he was one of those guys, me being a smaller hockey player, that yeah. I identified with because mm-hmm. it's like he shows you if the, the guys like him can grind it out and do it at the at the highest level like that. It's it's something really impressive, and I'm glad to see him get his due because he was pretty underrated for a good portion of his career even when he was he was doing well. But, like, you look at maybe the situation in Tampa where he could have been in the shadow of Le Cavalier a little bit mm-hmm. um, because Le Cavalier was in his prime and uh, him being the big, huge, prototypical first-line center. Um, my, obviously, my, my fondest memories is when they won the Stanley Cup. But I looked back on it and wasn't that fond because I remember I was pulling for Calgary, yeah, actually, being, they, being they, a big Aguila fan, And too. they shouldn't have won because yeah. it was fucking in. It's amazing that it the, was in in game six. The teams and players I identified with back in the day when the Leafs suck shit. <laughs> oh yeah, oh you had to jump on something, something. man. Cling and you're right, Aginla was a great pick. To be honest with you, Marty St. Louis 
was was one of my small ones. Like I wanted to stay north of the border. You know, I would. I don't even really remember what what I did to be honest with you back then. Like I kind of just watched. I didn't really give a fuck. But then, of course, when Calgary went on, it was like, okay, well, obviously, I'd like to see Calgary bring it home. It was one of those cup Again, runs huh? where Canada was right right behind it. I felt like oh six. Yeah, I watched. I watched most of that. I watched all of it. I had to watch the. Uh, I think I had to watch Game Six when they scored but didn't, at uh, some, like, one of my like uh, skills building ice breaking event for student council in hmm. high school. Hmm. And you had to watch a hockey game. Well, no, it was like what's going on. That's obviously in the summer. Like that's at the end of school. Like I think school might have even like been in over. Spring. <clears throat> or sorry, yeah, yeah, that's like at the beginning of summer or whatever. So like, yeah, I don't even, it really sucked. It was like an overnight thing. It was at Nangor. You remember Nangor? Oh, yeah. And the school would go to Nangor. This wasn't the school going, though. It was just like our group of like student council members and, and, and the student council team from that current year also came. And they basically were like, oh, this is how you get out of fucking going to class. <laughs> so you have, the best part of so it. So you have to work on formal or whatever. And, you know, the fucking game was on. And, like, oh, I was devastated. But um, So speaking of not being able to watch games, I wanted to beef and rant a little bit on this. I'm upset that we play games during the induction ceremony. I don't understand why we can't have one game or or a late game or fucking no games so that we can watch these players that made the game so great go in to the hall and see what they have to say instead of having to fucking see it the next day. I don't understand why they can't just take the night off. Take the night off. It makes a lot of sense. And I think when I first heard about it last year, um, Friedman was talking about it. And he mentioned the fact that you have a lot of people who are active in the NHL who may have played with this guy and their managers or scouts or whatever the hell now, and they can't, they don't have the night off so they can go celebrate with They'd these guys. They'd love to go. And, and go there, you know, make a make a show of it, and it should be something a little more celebrated, I think. I, I agree. I've never seen it on TV, and you rarely see it on, like, the highlight reels. If think, of, think about it in, in other major events. That's a huge thing. Uh, weddings, for example. And I hate to make it sound somber here, but it's a good example. Is like a funeral, right? Like, People come to pay their respects. Going into the in, into the Hall of Fame is not anything like a funeral, but what I'm saying is it's relatable in terms of people want to come and and pay their respects to your magnificent career that once was and is now being recognized in the Hall of Fame because you're famous. Yeah, there's no reason why they can't can't do something different about that, and it, they should want it to be a bit of a production and putting these guys on a on a bigger stage i think when did lou go in last year i have no idea lou went in either two years ago i think lou went in and the devils played that night he was with the leafs when he went in yeah but but obviously he he's gonna go in as a devil i mean everybody remembers him as a devil well he's there for forever built the fucking dynasty and the devils were playing at the same time as lou lamorello was was being inducted like man there's there's ownership there's other members of the of the brass even members of the media let's go you know that he would have had really good relationships with 
they would have had to be like, either, fuck off, I'm missing the game, which they can't do. Well, the guys work. Everybody works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they can't do that, but they want to go to the Lamorello thing, and they need a reporter to be at the Lamorello thing. So some fucking dusty, dirt beater writer gets to go to the Lamorello <laughs> induction, and this guy loves Lamorello and is like literally crying because he can't go. Like it makes no sense. So the reason why that came up is because. Uh, some of Marty's teammates in St. Louis, or sorry, <laughs> in Tampa. I was looking at Marty St. Louis. Uh, in Tampa, they they went uh, they went to the ceremony to surprise him, which I thought was really I heard cool. That, yeah, because yeah. they had the day off. They had Sunday off, and then, uh, or sorry, Sunday and Monday off, and then Tuesday in Buffalo. So they were they made the trip early to come here. And well, I guess come you know to our region and what I'm saying, Toronto. Uh, yeah, come to the Toronto area, and uh, and go to and go to the the ceremony. So I thought that was really cool. I did catch that video of, of him being surprised. I thought that was uh, uh, kind of hit home, hit the heart. Anything on Marty? Marty, the other Marty, Marty Broder. Well, Marty Broder, man. I mean, fuck. What can you say? Like the guy was just incredible. Yeah. I mean, incredible. Like he 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 did not have a certain style a prototypical uh the way you play goalie or you know he wasn't quite like Hasek either where Hasek just did anything to make the save Broder did have some idiosyncrasies that he would stay to one of my favorites the one knee bend Marty Broder save, oh, yeah. where he would just bend that one that one knee down and either make a, a like a toe save or sometimes he would do it and make a like a low blocker save but the shot was only like eight inches off the ice. Like that was the old stack the pads. Oh there, yeah, or the, was... like the uh, yeah the roll, you know, where they the little barrel roll kick saves and things what like, like the that. Al- mystery Alaska save. Well, you know, like where you basically where you this you one all those guys over and like you you look at it now and you never understand. For our listeners, Josh is trying to demonstrate it while in his chair. I did that last year <laughs> at Tuesday Night Hockey, and you're going to be at Tuesday Night Hockey this year. Uh-huh. Starts next week, by the way, 9 o'clock. Light, light you up. 150 bucks. Light you up. I'll give you a goal. I'll give you a yeah. dollar every time you, don't you score need to on give me. me but... any. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like old times. Maybe you could take some shots from afar. Oh, I'll blast a couple of rays your <laughs> noggin. It's time for a shot from afar. Yeah. I used to have a uh, a Brodeur jersey there. Uh, Devils one, Red Devils one. Always wore it, like, playing road hockey goalie. And I think anyone – I know guys actually growing up who were fans of New Jersey straight up. Because, because of Brodeur. Brodeur, yeah. See, and I'm kind of you the opposite. You used to play, like, 60 games, I know, man. I know, incredible. incredible. Like, you, you never see anything like it at all. I'm kind of the other way in the sense that, like, I, t- I fully respected what Marty Brodeur – was doing okay and like i knew he was probably the best of all time i don't think he is the best of all time but i know he's like really in that debate so as long as you're in that debate that's really impressive oh he's right there absolutely so i was gonna throw this one at you then who is the best of all time if you had to choose between hasek oh for for me it's hasek Hasek. i think hasek is the best of all time it's i looked at the numbers the other day too um just to see in terms of like career save percentage and wins and all that stuff. And Hasek is like far and away the, the historical leader. Yeah. In save, in overall save percentage. It's hands down. And playing hands for down. worst teams. I know. Buffalo and shit yeah, Worst like that. teams, yeah, man. Yeah. Like, for real. And, and Buffalo was good, but I mean, they weren't that good. He would put them, he put them he in the was, conversation. He was though. Buffalo. You know, he was 
uh, like a, almost a perennial MVP candidate based on what he did for that that club. He was also the the entire team that took Canada down in the shootout when they didn't shoot Wayne. Yes, that's right. When the Czech, yeah, he's the only reason why Czech the Republic. Czechs won won a medal too. Like they had nobody. They had nobody. Yager. Like, yeah, I know, but but Hasek, like, yeah. I'm talking about against Canada. Yeah, Yager doesn't play every fucking shift. Yeah. Like, the dominator was on the ice for I'd the entire what is, uh, the entire game like in that in that tournament. In that, that tournament, be interesting oh my god! That. And that fucking flying poke check that he did on was it on Shanahan. Oh man, he was in the shootout. I can't believe they didn't shoot Wayne. What were they thinking? Ah well. Anyway, Dominic Hasek is the best. It's not even close. You're arguing. You're yelling at your fucking headphones or headset or car radio or whatever you're listening. And if you are listening, we really thank you because we. We're approaching a thousand listens, but the thing is, is I think a lot of them are fucking robots listening because we would get a bunch of listens like all at one time at like 5 a.m. And it's like, okay, well, what the fuck happened there? But what I'm liking is if you're listening right now, you're still kicking around, you're still paying attention. So we like that. If you are listening, follow us at PuckPod on Twitter, at Coleman42, at Let's Go Adam, and, uh, Give us your feedback, man. Let us know. Let us know what you think. Like, we talk to our close buddies, right? Let's tell go. us why Felix Potman is the best goaltender. Yeah, of all sure. Time. If you want to talk about fucking goalies, <laughs> do whatever. But yeah, I like, guess yeah, you want to get in some goalie issues as well. Yeah, that's perfect NHL. segue. You had a yeah. bunch of stats uh, you wanted to talk about on. Uh, I guess some, you know, and I didn't I hadn't taken a close look at this yet. Maybe because my fantasy goalies have been holding up all right until Rast took that weird leave of absence recently. That. Kind of put me in a jam. Yeah, the unknown leave of absence. Yeah. We'll never know. Yeah. And that that's a whole story that it's interesting because all the speculation comes out for that. It's like he left the game for personal reasons, i.e. personal reasons. So get, leave the guy the fuck alone, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, we'll never know. And it's none of our business to know. But, uh, you know, he hasn't been playing very well this year. Um, a lot of the good goalies in this league haven't been playing well this year. And um, a lot of surprising goaltenders have been playing fucking great. So it all started, uh, let's go, last week, late last week. I was trying to streamline a goalie uh, in my fantasy league, trying to pick up a win or a few saves or a chance at a shutout or something um, over the weekend. Didn't work out for me. But um, I saw some of the statistics, and I was like, how are these guys like up there? Like These are some really impressive um, save percentages. So I'm looking, I go to NHL.com and I pull up the save percentage. Of course, that's how they sort the goaltenders as soon as you click on their statistics. So right off the bat, I just caught a look at the top six and I should have only included the top five, but being a Leaf fan, Freddie in sixth, I had to include him. So the top six are as follows. Pekka Rene having a phenomenal season. Okay, great. Continuing, let's call it a continuing season. Because people were expecting some regression, I think. But they didn't see any. So he's had a phenomenal year. Uh, we can expect him to be up there in the save percentage. But here's where it really gets interesting. Halak, 945 save percentage. DeSmith, 942 save percentage. Grice, 935 save percentage. Riddick, 935 save percentage. That's Halak, DeSmith, Grice, Riddick. And here's a test for you. Then, Freddie. If you knew who at least, I guess, five or six 
if you knew at least of those guys or uh, that many of those guys, then you know more about hockey than I do, apparently, because I haven't heard of a couple of these guys at all. Well, I mean, if you're if <laughs> who you're who is DeSmith and who is Riddick? So if you're tell a, me right now, if you're a poolie, right? You're, you're like like, and I know you're in a pool, but like I got fucking three pools, right? And one of them is like really heavy. Yeah, on you're goal- swimming in pools, bud. Yeah, one yeah, one of them is heavy goalies, you know. So so there are these guys that you like these guys. A guy like uh, let's say. Riddick, okay, so that's the backup in Calgary behind Mike Smith. So, oh, so he's taken a few games when Smith's been pretty shitty. Oh, fuck yeah! Like yeah. it's it. The, that's why these guys are up here. Let's go because these guys aren't just random guys that are playing well. These are guys that potentially, potentially. I mean, you got to remember, we are nearly at American Thanksgiving. We talk about that that benchmark all the time. American Thanksgiving. Turkey. Are you are, are you coming. in or are you out? So, what I'm getting at is these are some guys that may be actually like pushing the starter ahead of them to be in the crease. And not just because they're playing great. They're fucking playing amazing. Halak is amazing, okay? Why Why is Halak... Why are you staying away from Halak if you're at home or if you're Lesko or I don't know if you would Lesko or whatever, but tell me why the anti-Halak person is staying away from Halak when all he's done is be great everywhere he's been except for Long Island. And Long Island, as we are seeing now, where are they? they're leading right now, 3-2 over Vancouver, who's off to a fucking phenomenal start. But he was bad on Long Island. The whole fucking team was bad. Yeah, he's playing for Boston now, so I catch a bit of a break there. Well, a bit of a Excellent break. situation. Dude, a back, bit of a break is not up, uh, 945 save no, percentage. No, but, I mean, it's it's a little easier to do for a team like that, right? But I, I hear you. Obviously, given Ross leave and Ross poor play, I mean, you, we've got Ross on here as well, sporting a .901 right now. Yeah, he's he's part and of my next list. I'll get to that in a I, second, I too. noticed that because, you know, historically strong goaltender, good year over year. A little inconsistent at times. But year over year, you know, one of the top goaltenders statistically in the NHL. But, I mean, you look at Halak, Lesko, there was there was once upon a time when people were saying that they should be keeping Yarrow Halak and trading Carey Price. Yeah, it's amazing to think back that that was a conversation. It was, and that wasn't time. just like a little, you know, oh, yeah, some fucking idiots in Montreal. Like, that was an actual thing. I oh, remember yeah. thinking to myself, those people are crazy. I do. I remember thinking those people are crazy. Carey Price is Well, it phenomenal. shows you how crazy Montreal fans get. I guess, but it was part of the conversation. I mean, he started he started the playoffs the year that they went a couple rounds deep. That was Halak. Remember the stop signs with Halak on them? It was his team. Well, he went for that run. He went for that got, run. They got rid of him shortly thereafter. You're right. Yeah, well, they made the correctly. decision. They made a decision. Yeah. So you were asking about, uh, what, uh, DeSmith? De DeSmith is Pittsburgh, uh, back up to uh, Matt Murray, who has had injury problems, of course, and then his father passes away suddenly uh, last season. Was that last season? Yeah, eh? Is it, or was it in the off season? I don't know. I have no idea. I can't remember. It was recent, right? Like, I think it was last season. Um, You know, so he's had some trials and some tribulations. And and, and, and DeSmith has come in and done nothing but have a 942. Like, again, not a mistake. And and furthermore, not a uh, result of playing on a phenomenal team defensively. This is fucking Pittsburgh we're talking about here. Well, they're playing more time in the opposition's end, but it's good to see that you, you know some of these guys are taking charge. I mean, it's early still. We got to say that a little bit. 
uh, sample size is small, and we don't know how long uh, some of these guys will be able to maintain these things because ideally they're just providing a, a, you know a rest and, and a good an safety net. Yeah, they're they're providing a safety net and they're giving their starters some time to get their shit together. Well, look at some starters that need to get their shit together real quick. We'll go over this list as well. By the way, folks, all of these uh, stats are being pulled off of goalies that have at least eight games played. So. We're not, <clears throat> excuse me. We're not just pulling up, uh, uh, you know, DeSmith with a 9.42 because he has uh, one shutout and then one other game. <laughs> yeah, they've got eight games minimum. So uh, this one here I thought was equally as interesting. Let's go, maybe even more. So we're talking about goalies in this league that have a 9.05 or worse, and which is below league average. Well, below league average. And here it is in order. I'm not going to read the numbers, but in order. Starting from best to worst, we've got Craig Anderson, and that's the 905 number. Crawford, Rask, Holtby is an even nine. Then you start going under Jones, Flurry, Price, Murray, Allen, no surprises there, and Smith. It's really funny because with goaltending, there's those guys that you figure year in, year out are going to give you something solid. But I, I find with the with the uptick in offense over the last couple of years that you've seen teams playing a little bit more high risk hockey and actually integrate it into their system, taking advantage of their speed and offensive abilities. We'll look at the shorthanded goals goalies, this year. Goalies are getting hung out to dry a Breakaways. lot. So I think you're seeing the workloads maybe shift and it, it's such a funny position because teams can live and die by their goaltender. And you look at some of the teams on that list. Um, Carey Price is an example of a guy who's probably going to be the deciding factor as to whether Montreal can sustain what uh, they're doing. Yeah. They, and yeah. they're on a winning record right now with him not playing his best hockey. I would expect him to settle in because he's Carey Price. I agree. But is the team going to maintain that momentum at the same time? We see Hard that all say. the time, Lesko, especially with goalies. When a big-name goalie goes out, the team picks up the slack, and everyone says, oh, he's going to be out for four to six weeks. What can they do? Well, what they did was they went two games over 500. Nothing, you know, nothing to write home about, but it didn't hurt them is what I'm saying. Then the goalie comes back, and then for the next few games, they fucking lose all of them. They go three games under 500 over the next 10 games, and you're wondering, what happened? That You almost pick it up, and then when, 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 when the problem subsides you're like oh thank god we don't have to we don't have to work as hard anymore but then you lose because you, get that you seem a relief yeah you get that comfort when you have those those upper echelon elite goaltenders in the nhl you, you have that comfort behind you where you're not worrying about it. i mean as someone who's watched the leafs for all these years intently the the amount of um i guess comfort i have uh, when the puck's going on net with Frederick Anderson in there, I yeah, I know you're where not you're going. worried as opposed mm-hmm. to what it was like previously, and not to equate with some of these guys who are on this list with some of the Leafs' dreadful goaltenders over the years. Oh man! But these are notable guys because typically we see better numbers out of them year over year. I expect guys like. You know, Corey Crawford, Tuka Rask, Martin Jones, Marc-Andre Fleury to post above league average save percentage. Oh, man. Well, come on, Lesko. You got to be you gotta be saying a bad year for them would be 920. You look at a guy, say, maybe like Crawford, though, 
who's playing behind a hockey team that is not what it once was. Um, and now he's he might have masked some of their warts in the past, but now that they, they are who they are, essentially, and him coming off a, a, a awful injury where the speculation was yeah. that he might not even play or even if he did, would he be 100%? I mean, this is this is a big challenge, and you only hope that some of these guys sort themselves out. But I think a lot of it is a reflection of how the team in front of them is playing. Well, do you think that with any of these goalies, and I don't want you to pick any of them out, I would just say that I think we would be silly to assume that not one of these guys is, is having difficulty with the transition uh, in the streamlining equipment. Well, that seems to be a common storyline that people are throwing out there. You see and some of these high-profile names really struggling. Like, do you think that has anything to do with it? I'm sure it's definitely an adjustment because you know how habitual and and often superstitious oh, some goaltenders are. No, and all of a sudden you're throwing throwing this gear, this new gear at them, and this, I think the smaller sh- uh, shoulder pads are something that uh, seem to have generated the most controversy due to a player safety standpoint. Yep. But I, you know, if I'm if I'm those guys, I'm I'm pretty upset. But you know what? They've been working on this for quite a while. So let's figure it out. I mean, they've been working with the PA, they're working with the players, they're working with the manufacturers. This has taken a long time for them to sort out. And I know there's going to be a lot of testing and feedback, and you know, it's all going to be approved. But why why does it take this long? Well, I mean, for, for me, in my opinion, the answer to that question is safety. And, and and I know that's exactly what you're saying, but I'm just I'm just pushing that. I mean, you these players shoot the puck with such velocity. We can't be risking the goaltenders uh, be exposed in any way, shape, or form. So we have seen some guys in the league. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. <clears throat> Excuse me. Someone was bitching about it about getting bruised recently. Oh yeah, I did hear about that. I can't remember who it was either. Was it Leonard? But- I have no idea. I don't want to throw. No, him under but the I bus. guess guys are guys are throwing, you know, hundred mile an hour clap bombs at you. So You're what I was concerned gonna... about what's sitting between you and that puck. I agree. Yeah, well, I mean, you play you play goalie too. I mean, I still get beer, caught in areas. Beer yeah, and shit, yeah, but I get caught in bad areas. I mean, it sucks. I I totally I'd understand why they'd be resistant to the change. I see why they're bringing it in, and I I understand the logic. But you know, we were talking off air earlier about. Uh, you show me the picture of the trapper. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, that's where I was going. Yeah, and it's like, I understand the pants <laughs> and the shoulder pads, you know, and the main equipment. And as long as you're not sacrificing the protective aspect of the equipment, yeah. Like I understand you, you bringing that down, and and maybe a lot of it has to do with the fact that goalies are getting bigger and bigger. Like these guys are these guys are monsters yeah, now. I mean, there's no gone are the days of of guys under. You know, six feet even having a sniff at being a professional goaltender. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going with the next part was the the fact that, you know, these guys are are just more flexible as well uh, than back in the day. So, like, for me, if you could give me a choice between either having really bulky equipment that covers more of the net but exposes me because it's not, like – tight to my body if you know what i'm trying to get at it's kind of like it's on me but it's like it's not me it's big it's bigger than me so it's kind of clunky if you if i could trade that in and put on 
a suit that goes right tight to my body. So obviously eliminates all that extra gear that shooters have to get by to score. Mobility. But I would have full protection and you I, it would be a guarantee. Josh, when you put this suit on, it can hit you in the neck. It could hit you in the kneecap. It could hit you anywhere. And you won't feel it because of whatever material it is. You won't even feel it. It'll just be like a tap. You won't even fucking feel it. So no injuries. No, everyone stop skating around. Coley is fucking down off the collarbone. You know, I would pick the second one and I would be giving up more goals, but I would have more fun because I would never, ever, ever fear that that was going to happen. And when some guys, when some guys come ripping down, on the left wing side and they even pull back that little half clapper like man i know these guys can shoot and i'm just like a total wreck just having fun guy that didn't even play goalie playing goalie and it goes fucking zipping right past my fucking ear and like sometimes it catches me you know and you're just like god damn it that hurt a little bit i'm all right like a little (laughs) happy gilmore thing because you need to keep playing you know and it kind of it kind of keeps you going the adrenaline but it fucking sucks man so to be able to not live in that fear would be amazing and and i do think that the main reason why it's taking so long uh is because they they don't want the goaltenders to be living in this fear and i feel i feel that maybe some of them might already be living in that fear well i guess with how much being on the line for these guys if they do face injury but it seems that the majority of goaltending injuries are coming from you know collisions they're coming from bending the wrong way how how many guys are getting hurt because of the puck yeah that's right you know? even it, the it, ones where they do get impacted by the puck they come back i think the problem that may may have come from basically modern technology and padding is that they've been able to bulk up certain areas of the equipment without sacrificing the mobility and flexibility of the goaltender right so it's like okay now they're basically just adding padding for the sake of taking up space not necessarily which is what they were doing them that is what they were doing seems to be what they're doing and you, you know the players just like any player, uh, you know, works with the manufacturers on their sticks. They're doing the same thing for goaltender, uh, goaltenders equipment and had been for a number of years. So I understand it needs to be regulated to a certain degree. Um, I just I don't want to see them getting to the point where it's like, oh, we need to strip down the goalies because there's not enough goals. And I mean, scoring, I'm happy with where, where it is right now. And I like the fact that you have goaltender battles. Some nights, some nights. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a one, one nothing game. We've two, seen it two a nothing couple games. times this year. Of fantastic yeah. games. It's not all about goals. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And what's great about it is the what you just said. Some nights, some games, you have the one nothings and the two ones, and those games. Now, let's be honest. Let's go. They can be boring. The six five game is guaranteed not to be boring, even if it's bad. And I don't care what you say. A lot of people will say, "Oh, I'd rather watch a." A boring 2-1 game over a bad 6-5 game. No, you wouldn't. Like, no, you wouldn't. If you had the dual screen going on and the one on the right was a, you know, one nothing hockey game and the one on the left was 5-4 with four minutes left in the third, like, you're obviously throwing on the high-scoring event because it's probably going to be a goal. Um, you know, the other way, uh, maybe you throw the other game on if you're a big fan of uh, goal. If you're a goalie guy and you want to throw the, the other game on and watch the goalies do something, but then you then you notice that there's only 14 shots 
on each side. And you're like, okay, well then it's not the goalies. Let's go. It's just two teams being fucking bad. And that's a boring game. There's a lot of games too, where the marquee matchup is the goaltenders. It's, you have, you know, you've got, uh, Anderson and and price going head to head, or you've got Rene versus Vasilevsky. Like, yeah, you got matchups like that. The Hellebuck Freddy. Yeah. You're really interested to see, you know, how they match up, especially against a high powered offense. All right. Well, listen, what do you want to do here right now? You want to hit a break, and then we can do a little bit of uh, spill over into our our leaf segment. We, uh, we're we, getting we, into an hour. I guess we can fire yeah, up a uh, break. And we then... can do Q. We can touch on Q. I want to talk about Tom Wilson. I know you had some Montreal tidbits. We can fire those off. Yeah, we'll get we'll fire those off and, and cover we'll uh, shoot some shit. Cover some Leafs storylines. Shoot some shit on the Leafs when we're done. Sounds good to me. Um, yeah, man, that trapper. You got to look it up if you're if you're listening. Um, I tweeted it out on the uh, on the at Puck Pod Twitter account. You got to go look at it. Like it looks less go like like a fucking hat. Like you'd use your hat as a trapper. In, <laughs> the old road hockey uh, yeah. trapper. Yeah, like it's glove <laughs> save and the beauty. He it flashes like the leather. Stopping shit with that smaller than a baseball glove. Like, like the, the actual mitt part of it. Yeah, is smaller than a ball glove. It is. It is. So, anyway, yeah, head over to the uh, Twitter page and, and, and check that shit out. Uh, we're going to go for a quick fiver, and uh, when we come back, we're going to touch on uh, Joel Quenville, uh, his time coming to an end in Chicago. We'll touch on Tom Wilson and his suspension, been reduced, and then we've got some Montreal stats. Of course, we were just talking about Carey Price earlier, so I know Max Domi's really leading the way out there so we'll, we'll touch on a few of those things after and of course some leaf stuff when we come back here on the pucks and deep podcast with adam and josh episode 10 still going on his suspension look at Orloff skip in there for Wilson he scores Tom Wilson on the board welcome back big Tom yeah welcome back big Tom Wilson welcome back to the pucks and deep podcast second segment pushing over from the first segment and that highlight let's go that we just heard from Tom Wilson was Literally, I don't even know, maybe 10, 15 minutes ago, he just buried, and he's back. And in the, in the process of burying, as you saw on the highlight I showed you, he bo- barreled over Devin Dubnik. He who, smashed yeah, Dubnik Didn't there. look very good afterwards, but Dubnik did stay in the game. Yeah, that's good, but I thought it was pretty uh, pretty funny that he 
not only does he score, but he, he hammers the goalie and we knocks his bucket right off there. And it looked like for a second, Dubnik was in some real trouble, but I guess he turned out to be okay. He stayed in the game. Um, what do you think about that, though? I mean, they he actually ended up missing, and we mentioned this before as to why guys often don't appeal because the process can take so long. It was, I believe, the 30th of September when he filed. No, was it? Sorry, October yeah, when October. he filed that <clears throat> appeal. And or no, because no, of the decision, um, he actually ends up sitting out longer because it was reduced, uh, was it, to 14 games. Yeah, 14. And he ended up sitting out 16, 16 because yeah. of the how long the appeal took. Um, I, I, I guess that at the end of the day, well, he gets back, but nearly 400 K in salary. Yeah. 378, 378,000. That ends up making it worth it, I guess, for him at the end of the day. But not really though. Like not really. I mean, obviously that, that helps, um, money in your pocket is never a bad thing, but I mean, I don't think at the end of the day he was, you know, crying about the money and I don't think the, the team was crying about, you know, well, the team was crying about not having him. That's what I'm getting at. It was about him being in the lineup. Yeah. They haven't been great. Yeah, and well, it's nice for them to have him back because he brings a, a whole different element to that first line. Sitting up there with, with Ovi, man, I mean, can he, he ever take a lot of heat and create some space out there for a guy like Ovechkin? Well, they've tried everybody up there. Vrana, I picked him up in the pool. Because uh, Verana playing on the top line tonight with Alex Ovechkin and Evgeny Kuznetsov. I'm like, well, fuck, I could probably kick one in, and it would count. So I pick him up. Nope. Next one, Dmitry Jaskin, top line with the Washington Capitals. Pick him up. Nope. And this is in Wilbs- Wilson's absence. Yeah. That they Th- this year. Cycled a few guys in there. You know who else? I didn't pick him up, but I, I should have for, for the sake of the pod. I should have so I could be even more pissed off. Brett Connolly. Spent time up on the top line with Alexander Ovechkin and Evgeny Kuznetsov. Nothing from those guys. Tom Wilson's back in for five seconds. Not only does he bury one, he also injures the goaltender. Go fuck <laughs> well, yourself. I bet you they're pretty pumped to have him back, no doubt. Man, oh, man. Anyhow, he's back. Um, it is what it is. Arbitration. I mean, good for him. Whatever. He served. So, he learned his lesson. So when is uh, Coach Quinville coming back to the NHL, you think? It's such an interesting question, man, because it's like he could be back today it sure seems that way and like based on nothing maybe given the time that he spent in the league he might take some time off it wouldn't surprise me um i and i imagine that teams are going to talk to him before they go axe and coaches to try and bring him in i mean i i mentioned to you right after it happened i'm like watch someone like st louis or some other team just snip their coach so that they can bring him in uh, well, I, I said, you know, hot seats are getting hard, hotter for coaches around the NHL than, you know, St. Louis, Philadelphia, some of those teams that are underachieving, I guess, for from what their expectations were coming into the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at it like any other business, Lesko, uh, you'd be saying, okay, well, I'm comfortable in my position because there's no one else really pushing me to get out of it. And with a uh, guy like Quinville, though, it's 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 amazing – to look back, I mean, he's got to be one of the most respected coaches in the NHL. Um, probably, without a doubt, going to end up booking a ticket to the Hall of Fame, as oh, we spoke sure. about earlier. Yeah, for sure. Uh, three cups, somehow no Jack Adams. 452 wins 
in his career with a Chicago in 797 games. Wow. I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. And it's weird because uh, Bowman and some of the other people they interviewed with the Hawks had to downplay this whole notion about there being some kind of rift between Bowman and Quinville. And there was that story when they traded uh, Chalmerson there to the Coyotes and he came storming out of the offices. I guess it was in and around free agency or it was, I think it may might've been the draft. Okay. Um, so there was this kind of story going on for years that they didn't get along and they had to address it basically. Oh no, everything's cool. You know, it's business. And, uh, obviously we agree on certain things, but don't agree on everything and yeah. healthy debate and all Which that good natural. stuff. Um, you know, it, it's not like anyone will really know if there was a major issue going on between them, but, I I understand why he was there as long as he was, but if there really was an issue, what? Why did they let him enter this season? Is I don't know. What I'm no. confused about. Was it just giving him another shot? I mean, clearly he's got to have the backing of some of the guys on the team. Like, well, the guys like Kopitar and Doughty who have already gotten paid and checked out. Well, are you talking L.A.? Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm likening it to L.A. So oh, yeah. You're saying yeah. so. Stevens is the fall guy in L.A. for lots of tumultuous decisions made by the ownership and the management, and then all of a sudden he can't produce a winning team because he's got a couple guys that earn their paychecks, uh, and no first round picks. Chicago, very similar, right? You've got your your cornerstones, Keith Seabrook. They're paid. Crawford is there. He's paid. Taves and Kane are there. They're paid. Guys are paid to be there. They have a core. I would put their core actually above L.A., but they still don't have any substantial youth or future. And I don't understand why a guy like Q takes the fall, much like Stevens takes the fall in L.A. It's a very similar situation. Yeah, I mean, he ends up... I it, You look at Bowman's record and... Yeah. Again, we go back to the saying that they won cups, so so who gives a shit? It's true. But yeah. if you look at very important th- that that plethora of players that they had constantly coming up through the minors is run dry, and there's been some questionable decisions. Getting rid of Tara Tav- Tav- sorry, Tavo Taravainen. There you go. For <laughs> just to get rid of that one year of Bickle's contract. Yeah. Right. Ends up being terrible in hindsight because there's a guy that they could absolutely use as winger depth that they'd love to have training Chalmerson I thought was a head scratcher as well um you know and then we've got the sad for Panarin trade that's looking worse with every day so it's it's not like Stan Bowman hasn't put himself in this situation and you have fall guys you have your fall guys and I just I still find it's unusual maybe it's because of given Quinville's history and his record they gave him the benefit of the doubt he might have had some confidence still with the players to have an opportunity to take another stab at it and just on a short leash. He might have known he was on a short leash. See, and I liked your point when we were talking L.A. last pod and you had said, you know, maybe it's a, an opportunity to still have a chance. Make the change, roll the dice, and bring in a new guy. Maybe you inject. I remember you saying exactly this. Salvaging words. the season Inject early. some life, yeah. you said, into the team, right? So, but again, I keep coming back to that November twenty-ish mark. Like we're 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 in the final week of fucking move it or lose it, and like I don't know. I don't think they're ready to move it, man. Like, so do you think that this one has anything to do with trying to salvage 
a season or is this just a a parting of the ways at a at an interesting time much like your Gary Bettman interesting time to be inducted just it, interesting time that's it that's it all would, it's a little bit of both i think yeah. i think it's that hitting the reset button early on to try and salvage something out of the season get push some for life. playoffs get some life and and yeah i mean this guy it, it's been said over the years as well that there's been issues with with players but i think any coach who's with any group of players for a, that long of a period of time I mean, there's going to be fractures in that relationship, and that's something that might come to a head, but we'll never know about it. Yeah, that's right. You'll and, never hear about that kind of stuff. But I don't think a coach is doing his job, Lesko, if he doesn't have friction with some players. Well, they're always— they're At least often, some players. Especially these old-school guys are, are very—you know, they're they're often hard on their players. I mean, it, it's just a, a, a very well-known trait among some of these old-school coaches. Yeah. And, you know, there's that relationship where the assistant coach is like, he's your buddy, basically. How's it going? And then, say, the assistant coach gets promoted to head coach, and then all of a sudden it's a, a switch. Well, he's got to sw- flip a switch because he's the he's the he's in charge Dude, now. Dude, I'm sure it's happened to many of you listening. You'll probably laugh if it was the exact scenario, but you're in high school and the vice principal is your bud because he's the vice and nobody cares. And then he gets promoted to the principal and immediately you can't call him by his nickname anymore in the halls <laughs> you're in shit back to being mr back to being fucking mr, mr. and dick i face. run this mr dick face yeah <laughs> like god damn it you know so but then you get to whatever it is grade 12 or if you're older oac if you remember that around here uh all of a sudden all the principals were your buds because now you're the the top of the school you're king shit so it's kind of a nice uh transitional period there It'd be really interesting to see, given the choice of coach that the Hawks uh, brought in, was the uh, 33-year-old guy, ex-NHL or uh, Colleton, yeah, uh, coaching the same AHL. age as Seabrook. He's been been groomed for this position somewhat, um, but it'll be really interesting to see how the players, especially the veteran guys, respond to uh to this young guy Colleton, coaching right? them. Yeah. So Colleton uh, was an international team Canada teammate with Brent Seabrook back in junior like in the world juniors I'm not sure if it was world juniors I don't want to go on record as knowing that all I know is that he he was on a team that was international it was an international team Canada so they played together might have been the U18s or or worlds or something of that nature you know maybe they're buddies then yeah oh no no for sure they are that's what I mean they were teammates before so that's an interesting dynamic right there right like one guy's your age and you used to play on the same team with them. Probably joked around this and that, whatever, talking about pussy or whatever you want to talk about, right? <laughs> and now he's and now he's your coach, so you can't really reminisce about those good times anymore because he's got to yeah, give his shit not, out there. Yeah, he's not your buddy anymore. He's not your he's fucking buddy. Come down on you, right? Fuck you. He's not your buddy, guy. All right. Listen, uh, let's move along here. We want to hit Montreal real quick. You want to talk about Montreal? Yeah, just because you know, we've talked a little bit about them here and there, and I wasn't expecting. Too much out of them. Um, I've, we've seen a fair amount of offense, which has been impressive. I mean, uh, the Domi resurgence is is a big Amazing. one. Um, I, I question that trade right off the hop, simply because they talked about positional need being centers, and they're trading Galchenyuk, who's a center, who they given up on oh. being a center. Well, let's not even <laughs> just talk about all their tr- fucking trades. Yeah, I know. We I know. can talk we could, about that for 10 minutes. Yeah, you can make a whole episode on their fucking <laughs> trades. But, uh, I mean, I, he has 21 points through 17 games. Uh, he didn't have 19 points until December 22nd last year. I mean, Phoenix was a 
goddamn dumpster fire last year. That's fine. But you you see what he's done for that, that team's offense, and he's helped kickstart it. He's helped fill some of the void left over by guys like Patches and some of the guys they moved on from. And Patches doing absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Where he's at in Vegas. So, I mean, Domi looking like a real hero. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited to see it, to be honest. I, I thought Domi was a really exciting player uh, from the first time I heard his name, which, of course, because of his name being Domi, naturally we did hear about it sooner than we probably otherwise would have, okay? Meaning, like, we would have heard about him a couple weeks before the World Juniors. Well, I, oh, I... Maybe maybe a little bit sooner if you're a big hockey fan, but for the for the casual fan who watches the World Juniors, and some people watch the World Juniors but don't watch the NHL. I really so enjoyed seeing him. So they would recognize him. his name. I enjoyed seeing him in the World Juniors, man. Like, just... Yeah. He seemed like a big-game player, and I think that was what some people thought going into Montreal, uh, that he would thrive on the big stage. And it seems that... I think he will. I think he, he is so he is. far. Yeah, and, right, yeah. and I think he's the type of player that has that extra gear and, and plays with a lot of motion in his game. And it's you can see it. I mean, he suckered a guy in preseason. He oh. gets so jacked up, right? So it just goes to show <laughs> you that he's the kind of guy who, who, who brings it every night and... That's the kind of hero that fans of Montreal can latch on to. I really like that. Um, actually, one of my favorite highlights ever is the Max Domi um, behind his own back pass. Remember the behind his own back pass? Or it might have even been between his legs. He did something crazy. I, th- I think it was behind. He went behind his both of his legs and passed it across while he was playing in London. Can't believe you're looking at me like a deer right now, dude. I the stuff you remember sometimes so vividly. Yeah, but this is, yeah, but this was like an epic. You're talking about a junior hockey highlight. Highlight, in real though. Like man, he I and it was because it was a, there was some sausage involved as as well. And I mean by sausage, I mean like sauce, sauce pass. <laughs> that was a, that was a weird transition of words, but it was a wicked sauce pass while he either went behind his own back or between his legs. It was fucking nasty. So like from that moment, you know, he was obviously touted to go uh, highly in the draft. He was a, a namestay, a regular, so it seems on, on team Canada world junior. So up here in Canada, especially we knew who he was and, and he's kind of showing us and everyone in the hockey world that, you know, He's still he's got more in the tank, which is nice to see from. Well, Max he's Dillman. a young guy. He's got lots more to to give, obviously, than what we saw from him in Arizona. And just talk about one of those trades that seems to have benefited both both players with a a nice change of scenery, I guess. Right on. All right, so man. we're gonna fire up some leaf talk or what? Because yeah, we let's were, do leafs. We bled into the bleeding blue segment here. Mm-hmm. Lots of bleeding going on here. Yeah. Well, fucking Matthews, we're stopping the bleeding <laughs> soon. Soon, I guess. Uh, I guess you wanted to talk a little about a little bit about uh, his recovery and how that's going. Yeah, I was just, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I, I I'm crying myself to bed at night. I'm looking at the. It just sucks not watching him play. I it's mean, the not games are as exciting. It's not as exciting because he does something every time he's on the ice, and just I look forward to watching him play game in, game out. He just does something. Yeah, he kicks it with his toe. He redirects it just over to that guy, and you're shit. like, "Did he do that on purpose?" If you ask that out loud or in your head, in your own head, the answer is yes. I do it all the time. The answer is always yes. Yeah. I even rewind it often. Like yeah. I've got, I watch it on the Apple TV, and it's very user friendly. It's better than my old. I used to watch it on Bell, eh? So I'd have to like 
hit the skip back button and then sometimes it would skip back too far. Ah, they're so this, garbage. The Apple TV is real nice. Uh, you know, we're not endorsed by Apple TV. Apple, if you're listening, uh, we don't use uh, unlicensed music anymore. Or no, license. Sorry, we don't use licensed music anymore. So you could you could endorse us. But anyway, uh, the Apple TV is great. You can go back just like ten seconds, right? So I often often I'll see a play and I'll be like, what? Am I sure that he did that on purpose? I need to see. So I'll hit the button, and then, of course, of course, it was on purpose. You can see him. He looks right over there, and then he fucking knocks it or whatever. He bats it down, and he kicks it with a skate. And it's just like, man, this guy has so much more. He has yeah. so much more than than his peers. And I find that really interesting. I was thinking about this just the other day, Let's go. how like it's crazy how some players are just naturally better at it. He moves the needle, and he's one of those guys around the NHL, and there might be I don't know, a dozen of them, if that, that make you, are worth the price of admission just on their own. Yeah, you yeah, know, and he is. Yeah, he he's, that, is he's, that kind of, he's that kind of player. And, I mean, what's he, about halfway through right now, uh, uh, four weeks they said he would be out. And he's currently, we're in two, uh, week two now, the end of week two, going into week three. So Yeah, they're saying he could be back as early as Saturday, which is the 20th. And he actually skated with the team. Was He's, it today? Well, yeah, he skated semi with the team. Uh, it was funny. The article I was reading was saying that uh, Babcock uh, told him to get in line and join the drills. But obviously, it was just a joke. Uh, he's wearing his, uh, his no-contact no contact jersey. But he is skating after the practices, uh, at, well, after practice on Monday with... Uh, I guess it says it's a personal longtime friend and player team development consultant for skills coach, Daryl Belfry. Yeah, I've heard this guy's name a lot lately. So and I guess they're allowing their personal coaches essentially to have time with them. I like that. Yeah. It, I like it, it especially for Matthews. Well, and if this guy, what, you know, Matthews is constantly trying to better himself, and if he wants to have these guys around, yeah. the Leafs will bring him in there, and yeah. it's it's good to see. I mean, uh, he's got a not only the challenge about this kind of injury, right, is is maintaining your your conditioning. Oh, and his strength, but is then so your huge. strength and your stick, shot, stick like, lifting and stuff. I mean, like that. normally when you're healthy, he'd be working on his shot anyway. Yeah, right. So now you're just trying to work to get it where it was pre-injury mm -hmm. it's still so. gonna be good obviously but you know we'll we'll see what it's like when he comes back he's missed six games uh the Leafs have fared decent in that time three and three so you know we talked about that earlier I already forget who who the hell we were talking about but we talked about you know going over oh uh, when a goaltender misses time and you, you the team picks it up and you go over 500 you know if you're hovering at 500 without your superstar that's okay for me personally let's go I, I wouldn't mind you know, seeing that be at least at least four and two, or you know four one and one, or something that just looks better <laughs> than three three zero, because the team is is good now. Of course, we we don't have Ideally, we don't have Nylander, which is an interesting conversation. We got Matthews yeah. with the Matthews with the no no contact jersey, Willie with the no contract jersey. <laughs> so that was good. <laughs> so he's 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 uh, not there as well. So the team. You said it off air. We we haven't been given the team that we were promised, right? I know that's the most disappointing so, part about I agree. Matthews being yeah. out and Elander being out is that you want to see that that powerhouse lineup that we all had penciled in uh, in like, the summer, right? And we're just treating Tavares like like dog meat. 
Well, just, uh, now <laughs> fucking guy's not him. not doing anything. We're you know? all on on Tavares. No, but it, he's he, he's playing well. I just oh, mean, that, I just that mean line like, is, yeah. is holding the fort in, in Matthew's absence for sure. So. Main reason him and Marner, the main reason why we've got W's right now. Um, I, I think if your team can go 500, if you're I've got a winning record going into the injury, um, that's often the stat. Head you above might put water in with a goalie. Head above water. That's all. Being it is. injured, it's like if you can get away with 500. I mean, if they can get away with, you know, a couple games be, uh, beyond 500 in yeah. his absence, I'll take that. Yeah, and I mean, I think he's going to come back and pick up where he left off. Um, the one part I wanted to mention, and you, you had a good point about this too, I'll, I'll let you make it afterwards, but the approach to the injury is 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 different than it was in years past. So specifically last year, uh, he missed he missed several times, right? There was There was different injuries throughout the season that had him miss time. And in each occasion, he would remain home at all times, right, in his condo, and then he would work out with his skill development and skating team or whatever he needed to do. This time around, he is uh, joining the team on all their events and the skating and the practices, and he's attending all of these things but not necessarily partaking, which I think is a real... I like that, Lesko. It's kind of where I'm going with this. I like that he's there. I like that he's maintaining the team dynamic and he joined the team in California. Now that does not mean that he's anticipated to play. He is not anticipated to play, but I just like the fact that he's going to be there with the boys on the road. I mean, what fun is it sitting in your fucking condo in Toronto by playing yourself? Fortnite all, all the time playing Fortnite with the guys on, on the road, but they can only play after the game for two yeah. hours <laughs> and they're on hotel internet. So it's shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought now I tried to look into this and I couldn't find any point of reference and I didn't have a lot of time, unfortunately, to do it. But I remember this being, and I'm sure it was a Lamorello thing. Could have been a Lamorello and I heard some of it being attributed to Babcock as well about injured players and not wanting them around, not wanting them in the room, not wanting them on the road. And I... I think the philosophy was based something to do around team morale and like distraction, not worrying about buddy who's injured because he's not playing anyway. So you're right. But I see it. I like this change in philosophy and I'm assuming this is something that's coming from the top down. Whereas you're keeping these guys who are core members of these teams, and especially a guy like Matthews, who's a leader on this team as somebody you looks up to and somebody who, who's a big part of that room without a doubt. Yeah. So having him around and having him be there just seems like there's more, benefit the detriment to the team i think so too and i also think that again i and i mean you know we hate to talk about fucking Nylander. we're gonna laugh about that in a second i think as well but it it does it does center again it comes back to it because like the team already has a distraction going on with a player not being around so you know you take Nylander out of the deal now you take matthews out of the deal the team hasn't seen him in fucking forever let's let's say it was lou or lou and babs whatever it is i know we can't nail it down but i i know you are correct there was there was a something. Well, that's about, how they used to treat guys. It's like you were halfway yeah, on the ferry it, to Robita Island. Yeah, <laughs> in, you're, you're you're injured. You're you're at least uh, on the uh, exit hotel, and yeah. then we'll see if you can stay or go. Um, you know, it, I feel like it just it helps. It helps. Uh, the, the guys already don't have have Willie. They're probably texting him, sending him fucking Snapchats of this and that, and you know he's wishing he was here, and so are they. But it's not happening. And now Do you think Matthews they're still playing there. Fortnite with Willie. I don't know, man. I don't even know if he gamed. I never saw him. I, I I never really paid attention to those videos when it shows them playing. Like, oh I, yeah. 
I noticed I noticed Matthews doing it because of course when Matthews is doing it they they use it as an opportunity for advertising right so yeah. they, they make sure that you see him on on the little the little click screen but I don't know I guess Hyman's pretty good at it right he's got his own company we talked yeah. about that before yeah so he's got to be pretty good at it but yeah I don't know man I I've, I've wondered that I often wonder that and I'm really excited that we're I'm really excited that we're really close to the end of it and uh, you know we'll see if we have to keep talking about it on every fucking pod because. What, what did your line say in the notes there? Oh, uh, talking about, <laughs> we're talking about how we're not talking about Nylander. That's all we want. We were supposed to talk about how we're fucking sick of talking about him. Off air. I'm that sick was of the, the stories. I'm sick of the tweets. Like I, I'm right on the verge of muting like the words from my timeline because I don't want to see anybody's brutal ass. Yeah. But then when it, yeah, but then when it happens, well, then it happens. I'm sure I'll see it somewhere. Or I listen to sports radio every day. It'll be, it'll find the news will find its way to me. I saw Leafs lunch. Um, I didn't see what the totals were on the votes, but there was a vote and it was just earlier today. Um, and it was, what are your thoughts on the Nylander thing? And it was don't care. Uh, I voted for don't care. So did I, (laughs) so did I, so it said, don't care. Uh, Trade, sign, uh, and then a fourth one I think was trade him now. See, I didn't even read the other options. There, but just, there was only <laughs> there was only two that had votes, and one of them was trade him now, and the other one was don't care. It shows how how fans <laughs> like how that we're yeah. losing our fucking pay. And it was like forty. Here. It was like forty some percent, and then thirty five percent. So it was a he- heavy two votes, and the other ones were like fucking two percent. Like yeah, it was it was it was heavy. So. Um, I'm I'm there. I was there. I was there when you missed Washington. We've we've talked about it at length. We won't talk about it again. Um, but we'll we'll continue to splash some water on it uh, every Monday or Tuesday when we get together. We're a little bit delayed today. I bought a car. That's why. Yeah, that's a big move. Bought a nice car. Big move. Yeah, yeah. Nice blue too. Leaf sharp blue. blue. Yeah, sharp leaf blue boy. Yeah, man. Tinted the windows. Can't wait to get uh, one of those leaf decals. I got one on NHL.com. Well, you, you might you probably saw it on the back of my Ultima. Yeah, it's just the leaf symbol, like the nice new one, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a, it's it's chrome, like it's fucking chrome, like it's got thick. some shine to it's it. It's thick, you know. I shouldn't say it's chrome. I, I don't know. Maybe it is. It's like really fucking hard, <laughs> man. Like it's it's not plastic. It's to last, man. You it's not plastic bullshit, and it's got a big like really adhesive. I'm kind of I was kind of like nervous. Wet, I was like kind of nervous when I deckle. traded it in, because I was like, fuck, these guys are gonna like try and peel that slut off there and. Rip off the paint with yeah. it. <laughs> hey, Josh. Uh, yeah. oh, sorry, no, guys. No, too bad. Fuck you. Yeah, you, you said it. it was good. You so signed that anyway, shit. anyway, yeah, I'm looking forward to throwing that thing on there. But yeah, we were a little bit delayed, so um, you know, whatever. Let's get right back into it. Yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Morgan Riley there and his play because, man, is is he gonna talk himself into the or sorry, play himself into the Norris talk? Is what I'm thinking. Well, because I mean, he is tearing it up. He's right up there uh, in Maple Leaf scoring. He's right up there in NHL scoring. He's right up there, obviously, at the top of defenseman scoring as well. Um, that game against he had against Carolina, which is was points night for everybody essentially. But yeah, he was all over the ice, and they had no answer for him at all. Well, and, and I loved how actually on that weird fluky like toss, he tossed the puck in from the blue line. Oh my God. It was like and, a knuckler almost. Yeah, it just floated in. No one saw it. It was like a glitch goal. Like you were talking about earlier and Kincaid just looked 
so pissed off. And then Riley actually skates by him later and says, sorry. It was very obvious that he said sorry. Really, him. eh? So you yeah. know what's funny about that, Lesko? We were joking about this maybe last pod or two pods ago. We've done so many, I can't remember. But seriously, you mentioned it. Uh, there was a, a tweet, and it it uh, when Line A wasn't moving, someone tweeted, and they made it look like the controller died on oh, the yeah. Xbox. So this would have been a perfect opportunity to, oh, yeah. to do the same thing to um sorry who was it that was in Kincaid. yeah it was Kincaid right yeah, so yeah. it would have been hilarious to do that to Kincaid controller died because he just doesn't <laughs> yeah. move he doesn't move at all <laughs> he, he looks move. like he was sleeping like now, he was... didn't have a good game either but no no I mean the, the the Devils in general did not have an answer for the Leafs you know top line in Marner and Tavares I mean they were just having their way with them Riley was jumping all over the ice and I, well, I don't know what happened to the Devils' goaltending situation because Corey Snyder, I swear, was a top five goaltender in the game, and he struggled mightily, and he was injured as well. Coming off an injury, I guess that's why they didn't want to put him in for Kincaid against the Leafs. But Kincaid yeah, just laid an egg out there, and he was another guy who you know, nearly stole the starter's job from Snyder last year. Well, he's nearly so doing it again now. They're thinking they have this excellent goaltending depth, and the two of them have not been where they need to be if New Jersey is going to have a shot at the playoffs. Well, I mean, they just have to be sustainable. That's all it is. Because I think people are probably hearing you say that right now and wondering, like, what's he talking about? Kincaid's been pretty good. Like, yeah. Kincaid, Kincaid has been the reason why they're – even doing all right he like, seems like but one it's got to those... be sustainable is what i'm saying for yeah you. like we're we're saying the same point but you're being a little bit too harsh like he's been pretty fucking good and they've been okay but it's not gonna stay that way they need schneider to be the number one guy yeah and they need you know so all those other guys we talked about well kincaid is a good example he should have been in there with the likes of grice and halak and uh you know those uh those other guys that we were talking yeah. about that have been answering the bell uh kind of seemingly out of nowhere to smith like those are the goaltenders that you need to like put up good numbers while you require them to do so while your starter gets his fucking shit together. Yeah, you got to fill in the void or, a little or bit. injuries or injuries. Fill in the void. I I felt bad for him a little bit because it seemed like there was a period of time where the Devils had all but quit uh, at a point in that game, <laughs> and you could bad. tell he was pissed. Like when they lost the game, he skated straight off the ice and. Obviously, after that Riley goal, you could see the look he was giving his teammates on that one. Well, um, that, get, that's a kind of a weird one, though. I mean, how much are you going to blame your teammates nah, they, for? Yeah, they happen. But I thought it was funny just that we didn't notice. Like, I didn't notice anyone on New Jersey in that game at all. I mean, Taylor Hall, a little flash here and there. I know that New Jersey just he's turned fast. it up and tried to salvage their effort in the third period. But, like, he sure, another guy, didn't notice him at all out there. And mm -hmm. I really didn't see much from the Devils. No, that was a, a huge egg that they laid, obviously. But, I mean, to bring it all the way back to your original question that you did ask me, but I haven't answered yet. You still haven't answered no. it? No. Well, you haven't let me. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> the Morgan Riley question was my answer has to be Shabbat because you were asking if there if, if he's playing his way into the Norris so you category. Think, do you think Shabbat should be in there, too? Well, how is he not? I mean, Well, because he doesn't have that – at 22 points he he's he's a rookie though right so he doesn't have that reputation so? yet i know but you look at look at the perennial norris conversation look at what the fucking team he's playing i on. know but look at the conversation though that you see it's always the same guys year over year as you look back in the day it was always lidstrom the blakes the prongers now it's always oh is it carlson is it dowdy is it petrangelo is it yeah but see the new age suban right the new age award has been awarded to points 
the old age award used to be awarded to defending. Well, because point, the doctors, those guys all had points. Yeah, though. you're right. They did. Those and, guys all had yeah. points. So, They're kind of like the Selkie, right? Yeah. They give, so you look yeah. at the conversation now, though, it's always the perennial contenders and it's guys who have gained the respect of their peers and gained the respect of the league as being a top defenseman. I don't think you become a top defenseman in the NHL in your rookie year just because you haven't built up that reputation. So what would you say? Give him rookie of the year? Take it away from Patterson? Oh, he could be up. He could be up for it. Absolutely. But I don't see him being up for the Norris. But. You know, but to why is he not question? So, I see Riley putting himself in the conversation because Riley's been here for a while. But Riley plays on an amazing team. Shabbat yeah. plays on a shit fucking team with yeah, no, with nothing to play for. Absolutely, but he's just like I said in the in the context that people view the Norris, he doesn't he doesn't qualify essentially. Well. You're giving the Norris to Eric Carlson just a few seasons ago. He is Eric Carlson. If no, you, if not, you don't say he's no, no, Eric no. Carlson, let's go. I'm looking at the fucking stats right now. That, he listen to me. What's the sample size he, on Shabbat? I'm, I I just said if it stays this way. My question was if it stays you this still way. Still can't call him Eric Carlson though. That's a stretch. That's no, a I'm just saying stretch. he's tenth in the league in points. Let's go. Yeah, he's tenth in the league in super points. Impressive. I'm so not he taking, is Eric Carlson not, from two or three years ago. I'm not ago. taking anything away from the guy. But you still can't say he's Eric Carlson because he's not. Oh, my God. You're twisting what I'm trying to say, man. I'm saying he figuratively is Eric Carlson being 10th in NHL points. In terms of If it stays that way. No. If it stays that way and he leads all defensemen in points, how do you not give him the fucking Norris? You gave it to Eric Carlson. That's what I'm saying. You gave it to Eric Carlson on Ottawa yeah, but for Eric, having a shit ton of points. I know, but it wasn't just points, though. It was what well, he had established but himself it was, in the NHL. But it was just points, though, because no, so many though. people used to fucking argue about the fact that he couldn't year, play D. He oh, he can't 20, play defense. He wasn't 20 years old, though. He had established himself as one of the top defensemen in the league. He was already in that conversation as the top defenseman in the league. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll give you that, but people were still bagging on him all the time because he couldn't play D. Yeah, and they and he's always had that knock on him. Well, then how do you win the Norris? By Like I said, being one of those guys who's built a reputation year over year as being a, a, a one of those top upper echelon elite defensemen. I don't know. It's we, a, we have that as, as exclusive club. We talked about it when we talked fancy earlier in the year. There's only a handful of defensemen that get you that those points or play 25 plus minutes a game, get you those points consistently and are consistently not just a top uh, defenseman on their team in the playing league, all minutes, but uh, one of the top, you know, they're in the conversation of top 25, top 30 players in the NHL. Yeah. Not just right? D. So I think it's, it's that jump essentially that needs to be made before and it comes from unfortunately years of playing in the league before i think uh you know they look at you in that lens all right well let's move on i'm j- all i'm saying is that if the guy ends up being in that position at the end of the season if he maintains this pace and ends up where he is then he'll, i don't know how you don't give it to him you'll get some votes no doubt oh well for sure no doubt about that all right well that all started about Mo- morgan riley uh, our Sens listeners will be very, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what the word is, in, 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 intrigued intrigued to, to see that I'm pulling so hard for Shabbat to win the Norris. I mean, I'm going to hold that to you at the end of the year. Hey, I, hope, you, yeah, I but, hope he falls off a cliff. Yeah, too. but I mean, sna- <laughs> snapshot what's going on. I mean, I'm, no, I'm, I not, I'm, not, a, I'm not necessarily a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, oh, my God, he got a hat trick. I have to pick him up. Col- Colton Sissons, I got to pick him up. No, I'm that's just giving you a hard time. Yeah, no, no, and that, but but you need to, right? It's it's part of good. It's part of good debate, and I mean, I just feel like uh, the the award is a little bit wishy washy. 
over time, we've kind of changed the parameters of how we give out the award. And I wish that they would just split the award and give a Norris trophy to the best defender and the Bobby Orr trophy to the uh, best offensive defenseman. Now, that would be and cool. Then, because and then, listen, if you won both of those awards, Lesko, you are undisputed ah. the best defenseman in the league because you, you won go. the Orr and the Norris. Like you got the two belts there. The 2D. The yeah. 2D awards. So, you know, like maybe one season a guy like P.K. Subban throws up because then literally, let's go. All you do is you give it to the guy with the most points. There's no debate. Well, it would There's end no that, voting. It would end that Norris debate because I agree with you. There's no voting. Often every year, it seems in, in recent years anyway, it's always top points, top points. points yeah, right? points, points. And points. it's much less made about defense. Yeah. But I guess that where the conversation originated around Morgan Riley is that we see how hard Babcock was in a, on him in the uh, the last couple of years, like when he first got here, takes him off the power play, tries to shore up his defensive game. And now that that's happened, it seems that the leash has come off Morgan Riley offensively, and we're getting to see him some as a true number one. And some doing, freewheeling, yeah. Yeah, and doing both aspects of the game very well. Defending, yep. he's killing penalties, he's playing power play, he's putting up points five on five. Man, we couldn't ask for more out of the guy right now. You know what? It's honestly, if you pulled up some old tape, you'd see some of that heads up, confident level that you saw in the dub when he played. Uh, where did he play? Moose Jaw. Moose Jaw. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you you see some of that uh, confidence from back then, man. And you know what? That's how it goes because you start off as a rookie out there. And you're you're fresh faced, you know, fresh out of junior or like minor hockey or whatever, you know. And now all of a sudden you're playing for an opportunity to turn some heads. And then once you get to the top of that, now you're the king tits. He's always had so the you're tools. super confident, right? So now he's he's done the same transition, and that's why it takes longer for D men because D men get get a lot of fucking minutes, man. It's very exhausting for them. They're on it, like you said, in all situations, especially especially if you're a number one guy. And I really like the humbling quote. Uh, from Morgan Riley when he said that he didn't feel at this point in time that he is quite ready to be labeled as a bona fide number one guy. I like that. That means that he feels that there's more in the tank to give. Well, that's the kind of thing you want to hear from from some of your top players. It means they're still striving to be better. Um, they're still working hard. They're still training. They're still They still think they have more to give. And I, I always kind of thought that about Riley because you saw the raw skill and talent. The guy could skate like the wind. He could handle the yeah. puck, head up, move the puck, right? It was just just learning the game more and, and learning how to thrive at the NHL level. And it seems that he's been a player that has benefited from uh, the coaching of Babcock and the changes around the team. I would in, agree in with that. Yeah. Years. You know, you know, you know, I'm hard on, I can be, I'm hard on Babcock. I've been hard on Babcock on this pod. I've been hard on Babcock to my friends outside the pod. Um, you know, I like him. Don't get me wrong. Like, I don't have any issues. Uh, I mean, I have, like, fan issues. Like, come on, why are you playing this guy? Blah, blah, blah. I'm a fucking coach guy. Like, I know nothing. I have a fucking pod that's listened to by 11 people. Like, <laughs> I I don't fucking know anything, okay? But the point is, is that I my, my sentiments are echoed by many a fan out there. So, like, there are some frustrations, and I, I don't necessarily agree with everything, but I really do believe what you just said. There are certain guys where the Babcockian 
uh, effect is greater, more impactful in a positive way. And uh, Morgan Riley is definitely one of those players. Well, the biggest challenge for a coach, and I think one of the things that you have to judge a coach on is how good are they at getting the best out of their players. And some of the guys that have been here kind of through the shitstorm that was the Leafs coming into Babcock's tenure, Kadri, Riley being prime example of this, Jake Gardner, yep. he's found a way to get the best out, out of, of those, those players, guys. Yeah. That's why they stuck and, around. And that's and then, yeah, and that's why the, I think the organization kept them around, and that's what you're hope you, we're going to see him do with these guys, uh, the, the younger guys coming up is getting the most out of them and developing them into the the potential, putting those skills, which we know there's a plethora of skill on the Leafs lineup, but it's creating them so that they're a good NHL player, game in, game out, um, you know, making exceeding expectations, essentially, on a a game-to-game basis. So you're talking about the future, you're talking about guys being better, you're talking about roster spots. Let me ask you one last one before we get to the schedule, and then I think we'll we'll wrap it, eh? Yes, sir. So let me ask you the last one then. You're talking about, uh, like I said, guys uh, making an impact, maybe guys coming up. What are you thinking about this uh, call-up Moore Western swing? What's going on there? It's funny because he was a guy I had not even heard about uh, up until last year, I guess, when he had started to make an impact with the Toronto Marlies. Right. And then I tuned into a bit of Calder Cup playoffs last year, and he was tearing it up. Like, this guy's got a lot of skill. He's small. He's fast. He's not your he, – he's your proto – I guess I shouldn't say not, but he's your prototypical um, unheralded prospect, I think. Um, I, I like to see – I like to see him get called up and have this opportunity because I think he's earned it and he seems to have earned the trust and respect of Sheldon Keith and obviously the uh, Babcock and the coaching staff with the big club. So we're going to see hopefully him on this Western road swing, I believe, and find out uh, if he can make some contributions because, you know, we talked about a lot about how much depth we see in, within the Leafs organization, but it's not what it was last year or even the year before because these guys have graduated to the NHL. So you look outside, and right now him and maybe Grunstrom are the main guys we see on the outside looking in. It's funny that you bring up Grunstrom. I was just, my next question to you was going to be the uh, the internal battle for that elusive uh, right wing spot. Um, of course, in the again in the absence of of William Nylander, and of course not just talking about the absence of William Nylander, but moving on into the future. Who is going to fill out that top six uh, on the right side? So you've got Trevor Moore, you've got Carl Grundstrom. And then I was also going a little bit further down the list, let's go and looking at Jeremy Bracco. I've always liked Jeremy Bracco. Um, and if you compare the two of them, Moore with Bracco, they're both United States uh, players. Bracco is, or uh, Moore is turning 24, and Bracco just turned 20. Or no, Bracco is turning 22. So two years difference between the two of them. Um, they're both 5'10". And they're both 173. So um, really, really similar, uh, similar body frames. Uh, I, I can't really attest much to their game style. I know Bracco is like a real shifty, shifty, quick kind of player. And I imagine at the size of a Trevor Moore. He's he, an excellent puck, puck distributor too. I really yeah. noticed him. I, I know we mentioned it maybe in our previous episode. 
I noticed him a lot in the preseason. He had Bra- a, Bracco, you mean? He was given a lot of opportunities. He was one of the last guys for them to let go. They gave him a lot of a lot of preseason action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So interesting call up there. I know uh, Moore got called up before, but I think it was basically just to fill practice. Yeah, uh, spots, he didn't actually right? play. So is this a situation where he might play, or are we? Are, That's the speculation I read today. Yeah, is that eh? he's not playing tonight in L.A., but he has an opportunity maybe to play in the game against be nice Anaheim to see or him. San Jose. It'd be nice to see him in the lineup and see what could happen. Yeah. Now, who comes out? Do you think in that situation? Jeez, I I don't I don't know, man. Like, uh, well, let's have a look at it. I mean, are you taking Connor Brown out? Oh, I I doubt it because it seems that Connor Brown I've noticed in the last few games I've watched has started to pick pick it up a little. Well, then you bit. take Levo out. He scored a goal. Yeah, and but there's another guy too. I mean, he's he's done okay for himself out there. I mean, maybe not statistically, but seems to be bringing. It. I mean, well, you're not taking Kapanen off. Uh, you're not definitely not taking Kapanen out, and I think you, uh, Janssen has kind of picked it up a little bit as well. So I, I'm maybe looking at a guy like Tyler, Tyler Ennis. Yeah, but I mean that's on the left side though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They you might. Know? They you might know, mix Mike, it around. You know a Babcock with his with his lefties and righties, right? Yeah, that's true. Now here's the thing though: Trevor Moore shoots left. Yes, he's yes. listed as a right winger, but he shoots left. So that that big point there, Lasko. Like, yeah, you could be bang on. You could be bang on with the Tyler Ennis because. On the left, playing the left side, Babcock's going to be totally fine with inserting a left-handed uh, shooting winger on that left side, as opposed to making him play his off wing when he's not used to it. And I think right? with bringing in Trevor Moore, it's it's a chance for them to see what he might have or what he can potentially bring. Uh, I think that we know what Ennis is, and he's had little flashes of offense and has made some contributions. But Quick maybe feet. maybe Moore can fill out uh, a depth role a little bit better, and uh, they can help start to round out maybe his defensive game at the NHL level to start molding him into a guy that can contribute hopefully down the line. Um, it's not a guy I see you know becoming a mainstay or anything this year, but it's interesting to see them give this guy an opportunity earlier on in this season right on my man well what do you think well as long as you got the schedule up you know i didn't watch the game in boston there on uh on the weekend which i'm glad i didn't because i I caught some of it i I wanted to go watch it and somebody showed me the score being two or three nothing i went no no mind (laughs) yeah no fuck off i'm good on that So I, I know you had sparks up. Did you want to? Well, did you want to shit on him a little bit? I, I read this thing as I I didn't hear too much about that game. I read some stuff briefly, and that was what seemed to be a bit of the story is that he didn't have a very good game. I mean, you of look course at, he didn't. Well, you look in the circumstances. The guy hasn't played one a month, right? He's just not an NHL goalie. Well, He's an AHL goalie. Well, I guess we're going to find out. Just pretty because quick. you stop pucks well at the AHL, AHL level doesn't mean you're going to stop them in the NHL, man. Yeah, the I shots think... are just significantly of much better value. They are much better located and they are way faster. Well, we hope uh, we hope the guy can turn it around and figure it out because you got to figure a Babcock, eh, Babcock would have him on a pretty short leash. He doesn't have patience for goaltenders. If we had Matthews and if we had Nylander, Garrett Sparks could let in four a game and it wouldn't fucking matter. Because on the nights that we would play Garrett Sparks, it would probably be on the first night of a back-to-back 
That because, was the interesting because part then of that all too. of our players, guys, tonight is your night. You can eat fucking pasta, you can have chicken, and you can fucking play up and down the ice as fast as you want because <laughs> we're gonna get a lot of goals scored on us. And all the players would be like, "Oh, here we go." And then the next night, it would be a tired night. It would be a trapping night. It would be a Freddy night. I thought it was a weird decision to play Freddy on the Friday and then bring in Sparks for the Bruins. So, I mean, they gave him a challenge, and it—I don't know. I guess he wasn't quite where he needed to be. Well, I mean, that's just the way she goes, and that's, uh, I don't know. Well, he hasn't been great, but like you said, there's there's an opportunity to turn around. He's going to have more more games. He's going to have uh, games within a week of each other here, right? Because uh, do you have the schedule up in front of you? I did have it up, but so I it start, switched it to the so it's, it's That's all right. It starts tonight. I got it in front of me as well. It starts tonight in L.A., uh, 1030. Of course, the late starts, and then uh, the California trip continues Thursday, Friday, uh, San Jose and then Anaheim so he'll play one of those two games uh, Sparks will and then a week from then uh, we have back to back Friday Saturday that's Columbus Philly so he'll get another one of those two starts remains to be seen which one let's hope he can bounce back let's hope some players bounce back from overseas and start playing for us maybe yeah players we won't talk about <laughs> players that we're talking about not talking about talking about not talking about all right well we were talking about not talking about a lot of things but we fucking talked about a lot of things tonight man we fucking pushed it this one is long it was a hefty baby. pile of news to get through so we'll finish it off with a nice solid riff there all right it's been fun man it's been episode 10 pucks and deep podcast to be named shortly by yours truly yours truly josh coleman here coleman 42 on twitter adam lesko across the bar from me at lesko adam we thank you for listening as always follow us like us share it thanks for listening we'll catch you again next week